Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Last episode, we had a chat to a young man who did very, very well in his final year 12 exams. And it was an interesting conversation because we had a discussion about careers and what maybe goes into choosing the high school courses that will ultimately lead to a career decision. And in today's episode, this is sort of the the second part to that conversation. Well, once you actually get into a career, what now? And is that what you're stuck in for the rest of your life? Well, a man by the name of Scott Quayle, uh, who is a Perth-based marketing freelancer and videographer, um, he proves that it's not so stuck in concrete. He started as a debt collector. He then went into marketing, both for himself in an agency and working in-house in companies. And now he's creating live films for people here in WA. He talks to us about changing careers and leaving the comfort zone at 39 years old. And a really interesting journey that took place across three very different disciplines. This is How To Be Curious. I'm Kai Lovell. Uh, my name's Scott. I am uh, 41 years old now, father of three, uh, and live in Tapping, just near Joondalup. I have to say, of all the suburbs of Perth, um, the the small amount that I'm familiar with, I, I haven't come across Tapping before. It's very much uh, suburbs. Like, if you can imagine the Australian version of the American suburbs that you see on movies, it's like that. Great. <laughs> a lot of family, a lot of a uh, lot of parks. Um, yeah, it's it's and, and all the relatively new housing. Like this whole suburb's probably fifteen years old maximum. Sounds wonderful. That's <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> um, so it's it's um it's really great to have have you on the the podcast this morning, Scott. And and I think the the conversation we had a little while ago, where we uh, organised to to have a coffee and, and sort of just hear a little bit about each other's journeys. Um, it, it sort of stemmed from uh, a mutual friend, a mutual client, I think as well. Um, Shil, uh, is, uh, is a public speaker. Um, in fact, he, he does, he has a lot of labels. He does a lot of things here in Perth. Um, but I believe you created a film for him recently. Um, and I've, I've sort of been friends with him for, for quite some time. So I think that's how we met. Um, and since then, uh, you know, I've sort of seen some of the stuff that you've been doing and, and it's just sort of really sparked my curiosity about your journey and hearing about it. Um, I know that you mentioned when we were chatting uh, that for five years, four or five years, I think I remember, you're actually the marketing manager for Dale Alcock Homes, which were uh, which still are a, a big sort of housing development um, company here in, in WA. Um, what was that like? What was What was that sort of that process, that journey, that that part of your life, that chapter of sort of working in marketing for a firm? It was good. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, I've, I haven't made a career change, but I, I still love marketing and I actually still, still do freelance marketing consulting um, and have a few marketing clients. Um, uh, the Dale Orcock, um, uh role that I held um, 
certainly the most intense. That was that was I guess after I'd established my career after uni, it was um, you know I just funnily enough started my fir- very first job after uni after I got back from travelling was a, as a debt collector. So wow. uh, and if well, you have met me and you know I'm not the most intimidating person in the world. So um, <laughs> I was actually working for a home loan company and um, fortunately a phone gig. So I would ring people up who had missed uh, a mortgage payment and sort of chat to them about up with it. them along a bit. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but I was actually quite good at that because I think I'm friendly and personable. But um, it was through that job that I got my first marketing gig for the, for the same home loan company and then there sort of had a few different different uh roles sort of had a stint in the agency world working for a digital agency for a few years and that's what led me to working for dale orcock's group of companies it really like i find i found university was great for sort of laying the platform and the theory um but it's when you get out in the real world that you really uh start to get a, a better understanding of how the whatever um I guess role you're in, how that industry works, and it was awesome. It was challenging, and and I loved it. Um, but I knew deep down that it was a hundred percent what I wanted to do. Mm. Yeah, and it, it's interesting you say sort of when that skin hits the pavement, when you sort of step out of the lecture theatre and into the the real world, where <clears throat> where things start to sort of, um, yeah, I, I guess you get you get a bit of picture, uh, a, a bigger picture of what it, what it's really like. Uh, is that is is what you did in uni? Um, I presume it was in the area of marketing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it was commerce. I uh, majored in marketing and management, and um, you know, and only because the only reason I chose that was because I had a I, I kind of liked business and I liked economics in high school, and I also liked being creative, and so marketing seemed to combine business and creativity. It made sense when you jumped into marketing as an industry um did the two align in in what you imagine that looked like in in what you sort of imagined it felt like for you a marketer that's a good question uh, it, it's a long time ago i think yes i think i think also because i'd held you know kind of i don't know what other word to use other than sort of menial like i'd i'd, I'd worked part-time jobs all the way through uni um, and obviously mentioned sort of moving into declaration, um, mm. being, I was super excited when I got my first marketing job of how dynamic the role was and how autonomous it was and how you could sort of flex that creative muscle. So yeah, I don't think uni fully prepared me for the workforce, the workplace. Um, but it certainly gave me the base level skills to be able to sort of run with it when you get a job. Yeah, that makes sense. It sort of gives you the the bare minimum where you can sort of flex that into something that works in the real world. Um, and you did mention that you sort of moved in, in various different directions, sort of almost broadening and, and sort of shrinking like your approach in terms of you went from, um, you know, agency sort of work to then moving into actually working in-house for a company um and and now you're doing sort of and and f- for a little while now consulting sort of freelance consulting um why did you decide to move from working for someone else working for a big company where you sort of you know you're a part of the the christmas dinners and and everything like that why did you move from that into freelance consulting for the same sort of stuff 
Yeah, it, it's a hard one to explain. I'll do my best. So, imaginably, yeah. It, I, I, I actually did really enjoy working there. It was, it was probably twofold. One is I just craved the flexibility of doing my own thing. I, my personality is not 100% melded to being told to be in a certain seat for eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day. Um, (laughs) If I'm more based on, you know, what can I achieve today? So if I, if I sit down to do work, um, it's like I'm more process driven in terms of what am I going to be able to achieve today? And if I can get that done, you know, in, in four hours and then, you know, take my dog for a walk for an hour, um, because, you know, that's what I want to do or finish early to pick up the kids from school or whatever. So it was partly lifestyle. And then another big part of it was my my career was progressing and I was taking on more more responsibility, more, more people, and I was finding myself um, not being involved in the nuts and bolts and marketing but actually managing people and attending a lot of, management meetings and um you know i just found that i wasn't doing the work that i actually loved uh i was more doing a a people development role and almost uh you know that kind of level of management where you're really working with different departments making sure everyone's on the same page but it it wasn't giving me the sense of achievement that i crave almost on a daily basis you weren't working with the craft that's what it is, and that's what, uh, yeah, well picked up. That's it, and that's what you know drew me to filmmaking. And I think that's why people love building stuff. So you know, there's a lot of people out there who will get a massive sense of satisfaction if they build a, a brick wall, or you know, in my case, it's it's making a really creative video because at the end of the day, you get a sense of satisfaction and achievement, and you can visually see what you've done and that's just what makes me tick it's not it's not kpis on a spreadsheet it's actually real world shareable enjoyable stuff yes it it is and and i guess you know you could get a sense of achievement from hitting your kpis and stuff it's just not personally how i how i how i am am wired like i'm i i'm a little bit more fluid a little bit more not black and white, a little bit more in the greys, and um, and and I get a sense of satisfaction out of being a bit more creative, and and I do love that and that sense of seeing what you've done, and and then the other part of that is uh, is getting people's reactions. Like I, I, you know, maybe to a fault, I like getting um, feedback from people, and and I do value that. Um, one of the lessons in my life has actually been. Um, being a little bit more resilient um, uh, when you don't because you're not always going to get amazing feedback. I think yeah. as older you sort of learn to, to be a bit more resilient, but that was a lesson I had to learn. But, yeah, it's getting that, that and, and that's what you get from from, um, from filmmaking in particular, but, but lots of different, uh, uh, what's the word, vocations. Mm, it's a great word because it is. It's I feel like vocation is is bigger than your career as well. Um, and we have touched on it, but obviously film is is sort of this this thread, that that creativity, a, a form of that creativity that is, I feel like has always been there 
in in you and your drive and your passions. Um, but it was, it was actually quite a a touching and probably unlikely story that accidentally led to this videography business that you now work on, Life Films. What was that process like? That what was that story? The, the short version is. Um, I'll, I'll give you the embarrassing version as well. So the, the idea actually came about from um, my wife loves watching Keeping Up the Kardashians and look, I don't mind it. I'll, if she's watching it, I'll sit and watch it with her. I'm not a massive fan, but I do find it interesting to look at the crazy lives. <laughs> but anyway, um, I saw we were watching an episode and I saw that the, the daughters um, in the Kardashian family got their mum uh, this, this life film as a gift. And basically what it was was a film crew came into their house and interviewed their mum. And the girls learned a lot about, um, you know, the younger years of their mum's life. And it was really insightful for them. Um, so always had that in the back of my mind, if that's a cool idea as a gift, and I never thought that I would really do anything with it. Um, so anyway, after uh, we probably spent, watched that about a year or two before this next event happened. But Tracy, my wife, came home from school, pick up, um, speaking to an old friend that she used to go to school with, um, found out that her husband um, had been battling cancer for a number of years and had been recently given the news that he really only had a few months left. And, you know, they had two, two boys at that time were probably 10 and 12 years old. So, you know, quite, quite sort of devastating and, Tracy was like, I really want to do something to, to help them as a family. Uh, why don't you offer to do that life film idea that we saw on the Kardashians? I never shot anything like that before. It was quite daunting, but said, yeah, absolutely. Would, would love to try and help you out. Um, so we just sent them a text message. They replied within about five seconds saying, yes, we'd love wow. to do that. Um, and then because obviously time was of the essence, we invited him over a couple of days later. He came to my house. At that stage, I didn't even own a camera. I just shot it on my phone. Um, but and, and this is one of the things that I love about what I do is, like you, I have a curiosity around people and I like asking questions and I like delving into, um, you know, what makes them tick and what they've done in their life. So we just had a really, really good chat probably for about, hours and, and he was absolutely exhausted by the end of it as was I um, and then um, took a took the time to get all the photos of his life that we had wow. talked about and then created you know, this this a film for him about his life um, that was, was I think it was the therapeutic for him and also um, was obviously an amazing thing for his family to have and um so put that together over the course of probably a week or two um, and then unfortunately got the news that he, he did actually pass away as I was editing the film. And um, so it was quite an emotional trip to their house to to drop the film off to to his wife. Um, and But what was really nice was uh, when, when I gave it to her, she said, I don't think I can watch this. But then after probably a few days, she messaged Tracy and just said, Thanks, that really means a lot to us and I can't stop watching it. So, you know, it, mm. that, and that's where when you do something like that, um, it just gives it, it, it fulfills something internally 
that like everyone wants to make a difference. Everyone wants to have a legacy, um, to, to feel like they're making a difference in the world. And, and, and for me, this is what I can, that's how I view it. Wow. Yeah. It's almost facilitating the legacy of others. Is that legacy for you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which is wonderful. Yeah. A really touching sort of story. And I think, uh, it's, I think it's probably one of those pivotal moments in that, that journey of curiosity where you saw how powerful that was for the people that received it and, and probably to this day really cherished that video. Um, so you're, you're two and a half years in to live films now. Yes. Uh, what is, what has that been like sort of from that point? Did you, did you stick to your phone? Did you get a camera? Um, and, and what were some, what were some of the wonderful, um, parts of deciding to, to not just stick with what you've always done? Because right now you're really curious about this, this whole new area. Yeah. It, it's been a roller coaster. I'll, I'll be honest. I think, um, twofold. One, one is just financially that, that when you go and work for yourself and you're not getting a regular paycheck, it, it, it is just inherently scary. Um, but you, you sort of learn to deal with that. And, um, and that's probably wasn't the biggest thing for me. It was more the fear of failure. So uh, I basically went into an industry of videography and, and filmmaking that I had practically no experience, had always found cameras, just the technology of cameras quite daunting. Mm. Um, and so it was every day just having, having this fear. Uh, but then you combine that with this level of, of excitement. So of learning new things, because for me, I'd been in marketing for pretty close to 20 years and you do get to a point where you know quite a lot. You just naturally have learned a lot over that course of time. Yeah. Um, and so you almost get into a comfort zone. And for me, you know, com- comfort zones are nice, but eventually you kind of want to really challenge yourself, or I, I do anyway. And um, and so going into an industry I had zero experience in, had no idea how to use any of the technology. Um, so, you know, every day you're sort of faced with this um fear of, uh, you know, am I going to be good enough? Am I going to be able to um, produce work to the high expectations that I myself and and are other people going to think it's good? Um, and like I was saying, it, it's, it's getting so far outside your comfort zone that it's extremely scary, but, but the excitement and uh, a almost a kick of adrenaline like it don't, you don't sit there for eight hours a day just high on adrenaline but um <laughs> you get those moments throughout the day and then and then if you can achieve sort of what you had set out in your mind the feeling of, of satisfaction i think that's almost sums up the last couple of years for me like there's been very, very high highs when you produce a piece of work that you're really proud of and other people love it. Um, and then there's the the lows are more around just fear of failure and self-doubt of going, I'm not sure I can do this. And, and, and say when you look at other people's work and go, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to be that good. 
um, but just continuing to get up each morning and turn the computer on and, and turning the camera on and seeing if you can do it. Do you think following that curiosity of video and film, was it worth it giving up that security, the skills that you were used to, that you were comfortable with leaving that comfort zone? Was it worth it for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I know what I'm like and I know that if I had have stayed in that safe comfort zone, I would have been disappointed with myself and I would have had a, a, a longing, like a craving to, um, you know, almost like, oh, yeah, okay, I can put it another way is I, I, I don't like having regrets and one of the things that I think keeps me very mindful and present is I don't want to get to the end of my life and um, have regrets. And so I know I would have regretted it if I didn't take that that big risk. And um, and and even if it does fail, and I know I've talked about fear of, fear of failure, but even if it does fail, at least I gave it a shot. You know, obviously I, I interview people sort of at the end of their life and um, it, that almost just serves to reinforce my point to me and and you know not saying that everyone I interview has regrets but I found those conversations with those people extremely um, rewarding and um, helps me keep focused on what I think is important in life. It's almost been like a mirror for you that that craft is actually sort of reflecting back to you what you see is really important for yourself. Absolutely. So Scott, uh, I uh, I watched your your latest short film, Coming Home, Isle of Man, TT, two thousand and nineteen, uh, a few weeks ago. Um, it's sort of an unlikely journey to a motorbike race, um, and I specifically loved the moment um, when the guy that you're sort of following, and I'll let you sort of explain a bit more about it. But mm. um, when you see Paul, just the biggest smile after one of the races had a big victory. Um, <laughs> is, is it moments like these when you're creating? those sort of stories. I know you said you love the reaction. Even when you're filming those reactions as part of the product, how like how good is that? Sometimes you don't know. Um, so in, I think I know the shot in the film that you're talking about and um, sometimes you'll just film it. It's, it's not until you get it into the edit suite that you, that you know you've got, a, that you've got gold because um, sometimes you're so focused on 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 just trying to capture everything like when i pick up the camera because i've only been doing this for a few years i really have to think a lot about are all my settings right is everything in focus how's the light like i, I i'm constantly thinking about those things plus then trying to get the reactions of whoever the subject is that i'm filming so with that particular shot um I didn't know I had it until I watched it back and then went, oh, wow, that is actually perfect and, and you know, was so pleased that I got it. I probably missed about 100 other moments, um, <laughs> you know, because I didn't have it in focus or I didn't have the settings right or whatever. So, For me, I've got also a similar interest um, in, in production, you know, obviously podcasts like these. And I, I really love the process. And, again, it doesn't necessarily come second nature to me, but I think every time I pick up the camera, something more goes right 
even in a even in a very minute sense, the more I do it. I'm sure you probably get the same sense. Like every time you pick up the camera, every time you create a film, you do the things that you wish you'd done in the last film. Absolutely. I think that's a metaphor for life. What well, like when when I shoot anything, uh, I'll make a mistake, at least one mistake, probably a couple. Um, but you know, you learn from those, and and so you know, I've made mistakes that I will never ever make. Yeah, like I, I remember I shot something for a client and I had a fingerprint on the lens. And so all the <laughs> old stuff I'd shot um, was was useless and I had to go and do it again. But now I have a very clear process that I make sure every single lens is properly cleaned before I use it. Yeah. And, and you know, that's one of, of a hundred or more mistakes that I've made and, and that's, the, that's the, I find, a good way to learn. Hmm. It's interesting because you did say that when you started in that sort of time constraint of creating that film for that family friend, you were just using your phone. Do you think do you think there's a message in that for maybe budding filmmakers, people that have a similar interest sort of in, in that specific area of filmmaking to, to not necessarily wait around until you have the, the best cameras, best audio, best lighting and, and just to start creating? Yeah, uh, 100%. 100%. Like for me, I still don't have the best equipment. But the type of work and uh, that I want to produce, which is more about the storytelling than it is about the cinematography, um, you know, I, I probably still do a lot of the stuff I want to do on my phone. I choose not to, but um, yeah, I think the, if you have um, a desire or a curiosity or an interest in doing anything creative, whether it's filmmaking, whether it's music, whether it's art, whatever, the way to learn is just jump in and do it and then you figure it out from there. And then if you want to, you know, get better equipment, better paintbrushes, better whatever, um, then then do it from – go from there. But essentially if you keep – you'll keep finding reasons not to do it. So I find, oh, yeah. yeah, just jump in and do it. Especially people my age, uh, myself included, uh, you know, a lot of the time in the past has been sort of aware of the fact that you have curiosities, aware of the fact that you have interests or you've read something or watched an episode of Keeping Up With The Kardashians and, <laughs> and, and you know that there's something sitting there that you might be able to explore. But as much as it is playing with that concept of failure or, you know, the unknown in your head, I think it's also making up excuses, whether it is I don't have the right gear or, you know, it's it's not second nature to me. I think you're a perfect example of how we can actually avoid fabricating our own sort of excuses um, and sort of probably fears around that, that failure and, and making those mistakes. Um, because as you said along the way, um, by doing those things, you actually learn, okay, well, is this something I'm truly passionate about? You know, and you, you don't actually work that out unless you jump head first. And that doesn't have to be jumping in head first with the best helmet in the world either. It can, it can be something that, that just works for the moment um, and sort of gets you started to, to really sort of validate that interest in you, I think. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. If I could say something on that, Kai, and, and please. Uh, one of the reasons I, I wanted to, to do your podcast is because you use the phrase curiosity, which I love. So, if you jump on YouTube or whatever, you'll see a lot of um, these inspirational talks that people- Inverted commas. <laughs> yeah, is all around um, find your passion, whatever it is that you're most passionate about, get out there and do it. And 
there's a lot of people out there who are not 100% passionate about anything, and I would include myself in that. I, mm. I love what I do and I love filmmaking and I don't view it as work, um, which is a great start. But I also love relaxing with my family. I don't think about filmmaking every day. And, um, you know, I like doing other things as well. I love DJing. Um, I love music. I love lots of other things. Um, But the point I was going to make is I, when I used to listen to those, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I was like, well, what happens if you're not that passionate about it? And it was only when, um, like, I listen to a lot of different podcasts and get, um, you know, just different perspectives things and one i was listening to was a guest on oprah's podcast and she used the phrase curiosity and basically said the point that i'm saying now is even if you're not 100 percent passionate about something if you have a curiosity about it then just explore it and then once you've started exploring it you can figure out yeah that's something i want to keep going with or no that's not for me and and then you move on to the next one because not every single human being is as passionate as bill gates is about coding um or beyonce is about music so you know everyone's different and and i don't think people should feel bad they don't have ridiculous passion that a lot of these inspirational talks talk about I, I agree completely. I mean, that's why I preach curiosity. That's why it's sort of filtered down into sort of everything that I do because it's it's one of my really core values because, I mean, the concept of passion isn't inherently faulty. It's how it's actually used because passion comes from the word patty, which is Latin for suffer. And suffering and sacrificing is what we see in the world's most passionate people. Um, it's a it's a sacrifice for the craft that you love, the sacrifice of time and energy and money because you truly love it, you're truly passionate about it. And for people that hear these messages from inspirational speakers of finding that passion, it's out there somewhere, just unlock it and and then just run with that. Well, they're looking for the thing in their life that they wake up with a burning desire to sacrifice over, which, as you said, a lot of people don't and will never have in that entirety. But curiosity is something we all have. It's something we have every single day, whether you're working in marketing for a firm or whether you are doing consulting in an agency or whether you're a student walking down the street and you see an ad and it sparks. Like the, every day we, we have these curiosities and it's as simple as reading something, hearing something, talking to someone about something, and it's just sort of sitting there in your brain for a little bit longer than it just passing through the airwaves. That's that curiosity. Um, and, and I think that point you make about seeing it as just a day-to-day thing rather than this big passion we have to find that we might never actually reach, uh, that's completely okay. And I think that mm. sort of shifting is, is really powerful. Well said. 100% agree. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that we are, we're sort of talking about curiosity in terms of you letting yourself follow it and, and sort of seeing where that actually has taken you and, and sort of moving from this field that you were comfortable in, that you had a lot of experience in, a lot of skills in, to actually move into something that was truly, truly exciting. Um, not without its, its challenges and, and sort of days where maybe you were questioning that, but that's, that's the beauty of uh, that process, isn't it? It's a journey. Um, I, I want to ask you to sort of wrap up, what would you say to your high school self, you know, someone my age or going into university 
um, doing a Bachelor of Commerce, thinking that that's their their life plan for the rest of their existence. Um, it may well be, but what would you say to those sort of those teenagers in in our position um, around this concept of career change and curiosity? Yeah, uh, good question. I still remember vividly. Um, when so after I, I finished high school I went straight over to the UK just for a holiday and, and was staying with some family over there and I remember my mum ringing me and saying yep you got into uni you know have you decided what you want to do and I didn't really put a lot of thought into it and just said yeah let's do marketing and um, so the first thing I would say is if you don't know what you want to do that's fine um Something I this and this is unique to everybody. Something I'm going to really preach to my kids when they reach that age is I want them to take at least a year off after high school um, because I just think that's such a young age to try and figure out what it is you're going to do for the rest of your life. If you do know what that is, awesome, go and do it. Um, but I just think there's going to be so many people, and and you know, even my sister. I have a sister who's just turned 19. And um, she did really, really well in high school, got amazing grades, pretty much do whatever she wanted at uni. Yeah. She has a real passion for art and history. And, um, you know, because I guess there's only a handful of careers you can do in that area and, I'm, and my dad was not convinced the money <laughs> was there, he really pushed her into criminology. And I remember talking to her like about a year ago saying, there's no way you, that's what you're supposed to do in life. Um, you're lucky enough to know that you have a real passion for, for, for art. Um, so she did about a semester of criminology at uni, realized it wasn't for her and, and, um, and, and is now pursuing her, her passion, which I'm thrilled about. Um, so for me, I would say it's okay if you don't know what you want to do. Um, take, I would say, as much time as you need to figure it out and to not be hard on yourself if you don't know. I think, you know, I'm going to try not to, but I think there's a lot of parents out there who do really put a lot of pressure on their kids to be successful and to, to you know, go straight to uni and get your degree. And I do get it. I get why they say that. Um, mm. I'm personally just not, well, at this stage anyway, my kids are still in primary school, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> years. Um, but, you know, I'm hoping that I, I will give them the chance to go and experience life for a little bit, do some traveling, see the world, get a better understanding of who they are as a human being, and then figure out where their place in the world is. Yeah, and letting them, I guess, script that themselves rather than you scripting it for them. Exactly. Yeah. And that's I think that's that's a really great message to end on because I think quite often, you know, I like I've sort of in the past been really passionate about X, Y, Z and sort of gone, okay, well, obviously that, that means that I'm going to be X, Y, Z job or, or role for the rest of my life. But I think it, it's actually the combination of curiosities where today you can be really following that curiosity of film and, and video, but still, you know, as much as anything else, still really enjoy the process and the craft of marketing. And you can still do that on the side as well. I think it's, it's not necessarily trying to say this is one passion in inverted commas this is one interest or curiosity this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life solely I think it's actually pulling those together into one image uh, of of your own existence that really just ticks all the boxes 
Yeah, again, I've said this before, well said. Um, I, I think I've found I enjoy the challenge of marketing more now because I don't do it every hour of every day. Um, yeah. I sort of float in between. And so when I come back to that, I, I almost have a reinvigorated passion for it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think what you said was spot on. Doing it on your own terms. Yeah, exactly. It's been a pleasure to chat, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us on How to Be Curious. Thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Kai. Cheers. You've been listening to How to Be Curious, produced in Perth, Western Australia. Thanks for joining us.